0: Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxmyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary status.
1: Really, you do have a lot of useless knowledge up there in the head of yours.
0: So JP, we were we were talking, uh, you know, about Tillman football, and and I know one thing that intrigues me as as a fan of football. I didn't play high school football, but as someone who who has followed Tillman football, I played uh, baseball with a lot of the guys that played at Tillman. Randy White, Tremaine Donald uh, played football or basketball against Kurt Barber. The, I call him the immovable object. Uh, but but talk about the Tillman tradition, and and maybe you know, there, there's got to be a there's a a rest Recipe for success in football that that maybe is unlike other sports. But talk about Tillman's recipe for success in your mind.
1: Well, you know, growing up in in the city of Paducah, you know, you you hear big blue, big blue. And uh, we were driving to see a a regional basketball game one time with my my dad and I and one of his friends. And I I always like to go. And I remember we were going through uh, Palma or Palma. Um, Highway 68 there. And my dad said, yeah, Blue tornado just came through here. And I'm like, what? Where? There's no damage? You know? And I'm like, oh, Dad. And we went down and watched Tillman uh, basketball play. And this was the first time that I got to see how other people looked at Tillman outside of Paducah. And they didn't like them very much. (laughs) And, uh, you know, know, beating teams tends to do that. I wanted to play at Tillman. And walking in the door... You know, you've got all these trophies. You've got all these pictures of all-state players on the wall. Then you have all these older guys that keep coming around, alumni. And you find out, well, there's Gene Hip, you know, Hip Building Center. Or some guy you don't even know, but you recognize a name, and you know he's a doctor that you've seen at Baptist Hospital, and he was a football player. So you you find out there's a lot of uh, pride in Tillman and Tillman football, Big Blue, and and Miss Gunter was there, Ruth Gunter and her husband were big, you know Tillman supporters and uh, involved in the school system. But you just you realize that this is tradition that's being passed on to you to uphold. So you feel a little responsibility to do well. Of course, you know the coaches worked hard to teach us those basic principles and understanding that when you go somewhere, you don't just represent yourself as a player you're representing the town you're representing paducah um you know our rival mayfield you know those folks have the same type of mystique you know when you go into mayfield high school to play football uh, and i don't know how their system works but i can imagine the same types of principles and values that they teach um challenging their kids with their system and you know the next team wants to do better than the last team And when you've got that kind of attitude, you're going to have a winning program. All along the way, our coaches kept teaching us that, guys, you know, we can win state titles. We can do all these things. But what you do when you leave this building is going to be up to you. But remember to come back and give it back. That led me, after I played there, to come back and and get involved in youth league coaching. And this was in the early 80s. I was just barely out of high school, college and really not even making a, much of a success yet in life. I was still working on my future careers and uh getting into law enforcement and all that. But I started coaching. My first year coaching in the youth league program, I rolled out there with about 50 kids, you know, and I'm only maybe 10 years older than most of these kids. And but I had all that stuff in me and that the coaches had filled me with and I thought I could teach these kids. And I learned real quickly that I couldn't teach these kids like I was taught because I needed to learn about being a coach. You can be the you can be the best player, you know, that's why you, know, you can be the best quarterback or the best pitcher, best player in any sport, but to actually transition from doing it to coaching it is totally different. And some do it well and some don't.
0: And, and it's a different role, a totally different role.
1: You know, the first year, I think, in that youth league uh, team we had, we, we lost all our
0: games. Which is saying something, as as a Tillman tea, right? I mean, I mean, prior to the '80s. Was there a, a little league program? Did you play in a little league program
1: before high school? They had a um, – I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was more or less the Pepsi-Cola League is what I call it. It was just uh, – there was a youth league football league, and uh, it was made up of kids who were probably in about the sixth grade. Now, the middle school not middle schools, the junior high schools back then in the city were 7th, 8th, and ninth grades, and you had 7th, 8th, and ninth grade football programs. But before you got there, there was no organized football program. Coach Haley started this, this youth league program. Uh, there was a lot of things going on. But I went out there and started coaching almost 50 kids, dealing with parents all of a sudden.
0: I'm dealing with parents that are older than me. It seems like most coaches don't – when they first get into coaching, uh, Their their mindset is – have got kids to coach, but what they don't realize is they also have those parents that go with. Well,
1: and in football, you're teaching them a, a sport that you know. Literally, if you don't teach him them to protect themselves, they can get hurt. And when you've got mom sitting over there in the chair and she's watching you with the kid on the field, and you're getting on his case, and he's getting knocked around, and um or your dad or the dad's over there, and the dad's you know get him, get him, get him, you know. And, Encouraging his kid to do things and interfering with practice, um, you know, you have to learn to deal with the parents' involvement big time because parents can be overly involved. That came into play when we traveled. I, I think I told Shane one time we went down to Marshall County, my one of my first games that we that we had with this team. Oh, we looked awesome. We we lined up great. We come out of that locker room with that blue and white on. I mean, you know, we looked like all American team. You know, all the hoo-ha and, and breakdowns, and I'm sure we were sending some fear into our opponents. Uh, uh, spines, but we walked out of there with our hat in our hand because I think we lost like four touchdowns, by four touchdowns, and uh, I was walking out of the stadium, and my kids were devastated because they just didn't believe it, and you know, we had talent, much more talent than the other team, but it was my fault. I wasn't able to coach them right. I didn't teach them what they needed. I didn't know. Of course, I didn't have any kids playing, but I loved the sport, and the youth league was going to build build the program up at Tillman, so... I wasn't worried about what we won and lost. Well, not really. I did want to win. We all want to <laughs> win. But but I knew that if if we got this right, you know, in Coach, Coach Haley's plan, it would pay off in a few years down the road, and it really did. Walking out, and you're from Paducah-Tillman, football. And these folks in Marshall County, because I couldn't think of a bigger rivalry between them, Tillman and Marshall County at the time, uh, a daughter, a little kid said to her mom, or dad can't believe we beat them in football. That was a big thing. Of course, you know for years it was, will Marshall ever beat Tillman? Yeah.
0: And I don't even know, have they? They they actually did, they have beat him a couple of times, I, but not very many. I've lost track. Yeah. I, I
1: know the first time it happened it had to be an earthquake because, you know, the old thing in the old school was, you know, Tillman's going to dominate in football.
0: Well, it started to change when they didn't dropped one of those numbers. But, I believe during the Coach Shelton era, I think they did beat Tillman a time or two, maybe in the 90s. Late 90s, they got them. But it it, it hasn't been very many times.
1: But the thing I was telling Shane that time we were talking about it was that it impressed upon me the image that we're presenting that, we know, that you just don't, we're, we're unbeatable Well, we are. And I thought, wow. So I I realized I had kind of let the tradition down, you know, well we got to work on this and you know, we got better throughout the season, but I learned that I was trying to coach 12, 11 and 10 year olds. And I I didn't have much of a, of assistant help. Uh, and I was coaching it like I learned it in high school. I had the statistician page that coach Haley always, where he mapped everything out and we had our practice timed out and we we were going to do this, this and this and this, and everything was on a schedule. But then you know, I realized my schedule I was not on schedule. I couldn't get the kids to do everything I wanted. We we weren't getting it right. Um and in football you just have you have to teach basics and that's boring. Teaching a kid to get in a a football stance, teaching to put his equipment on right, have his helmet on tight enough. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you get everything together and you're actually ready to actually participate in the game of football,
0: then it gets harder. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, when you mentioned about put your uniform on right, they talk about John Wooden, that the first thing he taught every year with his UCLA teams was how to properly put your socks on. And you think about the level of player that he was coaching. He taught them how to wear their socks correctly. Exactly what you're talking about. You've got to teach them. You've got to assume they know nothing and go from there. Well, you've got
1: a kid wearing a white jersey with those, you know, how they have little holes through them and they got the the numbers screen printed on and he comes out there with a red T-shirt on. Are you crazy? This is Paducah Tillman, not Mayfield. I mean, you don't do that. Not on my team. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, you got to
0: teach the kids. That's almost an execution offense, correct? Well, it to was laps. I'm telling yes. you. That. And
1: and you know, I you have, dealing with all the things you deal with with parents, kids, and it's it's across the board in all youth league sports. Sometimes I think it's better if the parents don't coach their kids and just let them be coached by someone who's not as emotionally involved. That if they're good, they're going to get. good If they're good, they're going to be okay. And if they're going to be great, they're going to be great. Have someone that can identify that. And then you got all these personal trainers and and private businesses now that have started up to, to train kids. So the, the, the education of sports in kids nowadays is so much better in terms of identifying weaknesses developing you know plans to address and get better and then sooner or later you figure out well am I just going to be a high school athlete or a college athlete but getting back to the youth league program after that first year I figured it out it took me the whole season and as we get went through the season we lost a few games that we came close to winning by you know, like a touchdown or less I learned that I had to be able to identify with that kid what's he capable of doing and is he willing to do it? On my team, where will I put him that he'll fit in with the team concept? You know, and they, they back then, okay, you're a big kid. Go play the line. Mm-hmm. All right, you're a little skinny, you know, fast kid. You're a back. And you find out sooner or later, big, fat kids don't block. Yeah. <laughs> they stand up when they snap the ball. I found that we were better off to work with those kids to try to get them to be better. But just because you were a big kid didn't mean you were going to play on the offensive line and start and back then that it wasn't an everybody play thing so we developed talent and i think you know if
0: you remember in the mid-80s Tom had a very successful string of football seasons yeah that's what i was going to say uh, you were probably coaching the kids that were of my my age and era pretty much
1: one of the privileges that coach haley and then of course coach cox took over when coach haley left and i continued with the coaching with coach cox um we, as the youth league coaches, I got to travel to some state championship games with the team and help out with the team. So, you know, just kind of be like a, a trainer assistant. You know, I wasn't getting paid. I just wanted to go. It was fun. But also being from the system, from Tillman, able to teach these kids. And of course, you know, I, I became a police officer, so that really kind of changed the dynamics for meeting the parents and, you know, and the kids. And, of course, um, we, we we got a sponsorship from the Fraternal Order Police, and it said FOP15 which was Fraternal Replace Lodge fifteen and I never will forget. Went to Marshall County and the kids said, What does that FOP stand for? And the son kids, Fags up Paducah. So <laughs> I'm like, Oh my
0: goodness. Yeah. So the kids are like and that just fired up the kids. I'd actually heard that before, Shane, I, I I do recall that. Well you know you, you talked about going going with Coach Cox and the team to the state championship game. But what a what a motivator as you know, you're seeing the fruits of your of your labor pay off right i mean yeah. what a
1: motivation seeing some of the kids because you know i i learned in the second year that i had to have a talk with these kids and i had to get their head right because some of these kids come from well-to-do families in the west end paducah some of these kids come from blue collar average working type families and some of these kids come from a home where they got a mom and that might be it you know it, it was it was all across the spectrum and you know they had to know from day one that you carry yourself well you have i told them i said you know Guys, I coach you because I love the game of football and I love Paducah-Toma football. But I said, I'm also a Paducah police officer. And I said, "You got a chance to do something with yourself here. No matter what your situation is, you, this sport will teach you things that will carry beyond this. You can go in the military. You can go, you know, find, go to college. You can go get a trade. You can go do whatever you want. But if you take the same skills you're learning here about discipline, hard work, and and working together, that will make you successful. And no matter what you do, and that's what the coaches told me." in the field house years ago when I was a player. So that carried over. And I said, if you do this and you go off and become successful, well, you come back here someday and coach a team or, or support the team. But I would tell these young kids, and some of them, I'll be honest, they were at-risk kids. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them, you know, you can go be that thug if you want and do all this stuff you do and get in trouble, and you can stand over there on the street corner all day long, and sooner or later one of my buddies or me is going to come deal with you, and you're either going to end up in the prison or dead. I said, so, straighten your life up now. And these are kids that you know we made them get their grades, mm-hmm. and contrary to popular belief, you know we checked their birth certificates made because sure. yeah. <laughs> I mean everywhere you go oh yeah. they're they're over they're over the age those are 16 year olds playing twelve year old league and I'm like, no, they're not, but it doesn't matter. people are going to believe what they believe, but we really worked hard to try to teach these kids about the academic side of it, and if you don't show up to practice, you're not going to play mm-hmm. and I benched some of my best players all the time for for rules violations um and that's that's the only way to do it and i see even today now i see this sometimes in high schools and even around here i've seen it good kids that misbehave still get to play Mm -hmm. and
0: i don't understand that well you know in that in my mind the function of athletics is to create a better citizen and and by look, what you're talking about, a kid misbehaves, and when he's not uh, given the punishment of not playing, you're you're encouraging him and letting him know, hey, it's okay, you can do what you want to, you're, it, don't worry about it, and, and it hurts him in, later in life.
1: Absolutely, my kid, my son, uh, he played some football at Lone Oak. And he went through that system. So I was around it. I was around the, the really good years of Lone Oak football with Jack Haskins. And I saw a lot of things in that football program, and they were successful. Um, but one year, there was the, when they started to play Tillman again, I, I really thought Lone Oak had the team that would beat Tillman. And Tillman beat them 49-7 or something yeah. like that at Tillman. Yeah. And, but if you recall, the conduct of some players off the field disturbed that football team so much that I think, you know, that had some factor in it. Now, I know the coaches, or they may say, no, the kids, we just weren't ready. We weren't in shape or whatever. And I'm sure that's probably true, too. But I know that there was so much disturbance in the community that the team lived in. When you start seeing these these kids that are really good athletes, and the coaches don't make them practice the same, and they let them get by with behavior problems they shouldn't, I would have to wonder why, at what price. Those are kids, if you watch, watch after they get out of school, you never hear from them again. But but the kids, like we talked about earlier, the ones that – but look what he did with his life. Kids that get out and get in trouble with the drugs and, and theft or whatever, and you let them – if there's no punishment – a recourse in, in, in athletics or any organization for doing wrong, it brings the program down. Mm. And it's and, and that's happened in a lot of schools. Tillman's had problems with that in its past with some players yeah. getting in trouble. But that's not what it's about because, you know, our coaches told us, you know, we're going to play football, baseball, whatever, but what you learn here and what you do here is what's going to carry you through your life. And it has. Everything I've ever done, I've always talked about that is where I got it.
0: And, you know, I look, I think back to the many of the Tillman guys and I, I played baseball with a lot of the Tillman guys, played basketball with a lot of them. And you know, so many of them that went through that program have turned out so great. And, and you know, you see it now even, even at UK, you know, two of the, two or three of the better players now at, at University of Kentucky are Tillman grads. And, and I know on Kentucky Sports Radio, they talk a lot about the contributions that the boys from Paducah are, are making, you know, Forrest and, and, uh, the Harmon kid and the kicker. Did you I see mean, the,
1: the Har- that Harmon kid play in the Lone Oak game with Tillman. The, when they, that's the game I'm talking about where they came back together and they played at Tillman the first time that mm-hmm. Lone Oak and Tillman played in like 20 years. That Harmon kid took over that game. Yeah, he did. He was amazing. And like I said, you know, there's an example here. You got a, a young man growing up on the streets of Paducah. You know, I know his father. He's made something of himself. I mean, he's and he has contributed. He was a big hit his, as a freshman. He yeah, a splash instantly.
0: It goes back to that Tillman pride. I mean, there is there is a definite feeling you get of Tillman pride, even in the other communities. We see it. You know, I see it on Facebook. I see it being around the guys. And there is that mystique of Tillman football and and what uh, and and well Tillman athletics as a whole. We actually just spoke to Coach Chumbler, uh, and and you know one of the things he he made a comment to us. Is he said, you know, Tillman gets a knock that maybe they're not, they don't hold the athletes up from an academic standpoint like they should. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said they expect more of their athletes than any school he was ever at. I believe was his comment, uh, and you know that's that speaks well.
1: And that's the thing. I don't think I don't think people outside of the, the of the community of Paducah Tillman and mm-hmm. people who even live in Paducah know. When I came through there, and for years I coached youth league sports for 13 years, and we instituted a, a C average for the kids at that level because that's what it was at the high school level we went by the same rules you get in trouble at school you're in trouble with me i talked to the parents and told the parents i'm not going to play your kid if he don't show up to practice on time unless there's some reason he couldn't get here i went and picked up kids and brought them to practice but what happens with these kids like i said once you get into that tillman program and you start to you you start to realize that at tillman they're not worried about beating ballard or marshall county we were worried about beating louisville trinity you know, Louisville Ballard, Bowling Green, you know, you're thinking big across the state. And I will guarantee you across the state there's very few schools that most fans in football, baseball, basketball can name in the western end of the state that have done well. Yeah. You know, outside of Tillman and Mayfield in football, that's it. You know, once you go past Bowling Green.
0: You know, I know one thing as a coach, we talk about setting expectations and that athletes and even coaches – will aspire to the expectations that are set of them. And when you set high expectations, when you like you talked about, when you don't worry about beating these folks, you, you move it up a notch or two. Absolutely. Generally, they will rise to that expectation. And the same thing from academics. You kind of play to the level of your competition. You've heard that, and I think mm-hmm. it's true in many cases, because
1: you're going to try harder against someone that you think can beat you. And I guarantee you it's true, because you know how many times have you seen a school play a game against a big-time opponent? Either they win or they lost by just a point. But then the next week they play somebody they should beat by, you know, thirty points, and they struggle. Happens. I mean, it happens across the board.
0: As a coach, and you, you're coaching these these players, and you know, you talk about Kurt Barber. You probably looked at Kurt Barber and said, "Man, that's he's a star and going to be." You could just see it, you know, early on. I'm sure we talk a lot about about leadership, and is it is it something that a player learns or is he born with it? Well, what's your thought on that?
1: You know, I, I think there are born leaders, but I think leadership is something that it can be developed uh you know in police work they spend a lot of time or in the police department they spend a lot of time training educating and developing officers to rise beyond where they were at they have a lot of leadership schools that they send you to specialized training schools uh similar schools and training that you would get in the military to develop leadership uh situational leadership courses are are Big. And, uh, you know, every officer that rises in the rank of supervision as a sergeant there goes to a supervisor school like an academy of police supervision uh which i've attended the department of criminal justice training does this but you take that and you, you put it in anything you know a, a corporation they send their people to these types of trainings a football team a coach i mean i can't think of anything that's more warlike than a football program yeah that's <laughs> right mean, that's you right. know you're going out to this bash the other side but leaders rise and sometimes it's not it's not that person that may be the team captain that night it might be somebody else. I mean, I've been watching Kentucky basketball this year, and Tyler Eulis is a leader because when he's not on that fi- on that court, you see a difference.
0: Littlest guy on the court, littlest too. guy
1: on the court. But he he knows what he wants to do before he gets there. I, I don't know how he is off the court. You know, see, they, they taught us that you know you could be leader on the court on the field. What are you doing off the field to set an example too? So you know you got to be held to that same standard. Not everybody can do it because some people just don't want to step up, and that's okay. You know, because somebody has to be the Indian. Somebody has to be the chief. Yeah, that's right. You know, too many chiefs, none of Indians, nothing gets done. You know, yeah, leadership, it comes from the coach and staff down. Another thing, too, I want to throw in here, because this is really important to me to, to get in this segment, is that athletics is a wonderful way to teach kids about life. But it's not just the kids that, that need to get the message. Parents have to get it. You know, if you look at a program, Marshall County, for example, I'm going to I'm going to talk about that for a second. Why have they not won a state football
0: championship? I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah uh, and I'll, I have a son who's a freshman football player at Marshall County, and I am all ears. I've seen teams with talent.
1: And I, and I wonder, and I have this this thought of my own. I may get killed for it or, or this thinking of it. Um, because I think you have to be hungry. You have to want it. You know, if you've got a, a comfortable life and just playing football is all you do. Just because it's fun, but you don't care if you win or lose. You know, Lone Oak High School Mm -hmm. never had a good football team when I was in high school. Not a winning team, really. But they had a heck of a band. Mm -hmm. And we used to kid. Well, they are, they're a band football team. Sometimes you have certain teams just so you can have something else. And Marshall County, you know, when, when I was in high school, man, they were tough in basketball. and baseball, they were pretty good. Girls' basketball dominated.
0: Had plenty of athletes, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I remember some of the hardest hits I ever took on a football field came in Marshall County games. They got up to play Tillman. I think that the parents that might hear this need to take note. It's how you behave and how you act and how you teach your own kid that that doesn't matter what the coaches are saying. If you're contradicting that at home, or if it's all about who's whose kids playing or politics in in your system, then you get what you deserve. You want a tradition of winning, then you it has to be it has to start with the school and the people who decide what kind of coach to hire, the the leaders of the school, then the people in the school, the coaches, the teachers, and then you have to have kids that are willing to buy into the system. And the parents to support the system. To me, it's a complete thing. That's why you you know you look at Mayfield or Tillman and in various sports. Or I know there's other schools around here who have traditions in winning. Carroll
0: County's had some great mm-hmm. basketball programs yeah. for the size of school. Carlisle has an excellent basketball program. Yes,
1: and and in high school they were tough. They went to a state championship game, yeah. I believe. That's Craig, uh, a number of years ago. It just it just doesn't happen overnight. But I've always wondered. I'm not picking on Marshall, mm-hmm. but that's the that's a big school with a lot of kids yeah. and athletes and and. Yeah. Facilities, facilities, and sitting down there in Paducah watching. I, I mean, be honest, it's kind of like when they created Graves County. As a Tillman person, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, now we got Mayfield, now we got Graves County. How's that going to affect Mayfield? People thought that when Graves County came about in football, it would destroy Mayfield football. Hadn't heard them a bit. Yeah, hadn't has heard it? Him. <laughs> No, but Graves County football has been on a different level. I mean, it's gotten better.
0: Went to the state
1: title game last year, I believe, didn't it? it? I think they did. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing was, Graves County beat Tillman pretty quick in football Mm -hmm. when they started their program. And I'm not picking on Marshall County, but I think I look at the state of Kentucky as a whole. I would be perfectly happy, even though some of my Tillman friends won't like this. I look at how western Kentucky does. How does Paducah do? How does you know a Mayfield or Murray do? It's hard for me to say. Yeah, I'm happy for Mayfield to win a title, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I am. Uh, but good for them. It's good. Long as Tillman beats them that year, as, long as we can beat them yeah. once out of
1: every ten years now, because you know <laughs> Tillman's changed. They're they're coming back. The rest of the state doesn't even know what exists west of the uh, Tennessee River. So when you're from Tillman, you understand that. When you're from another school that's not used to that, mm-hmm. you don't get it. You're just you're trying to be the biggest, trying to be the best in your own backyard. Well, the backyard is the whole state of Kentucky. If you want to talk about something, yeah. you know, if County High School wants to win a state championship, they got to take on the big boys in Louisville and Lexington, mm-hmm. and they can do that. The only problem is the season's long. You get injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think they need more players. Well, you
0: know, I think back. You know, you're talking about the mid '80s. I think back to the mid '80s. Didn't we win three out of the four state titles uh, one year? Uh, a class was either Heath or Crittenden. Uh, two A was Tillman, or two A was Mayfield. And three A was Tillman. There
1: was a year where t- were uh, three teams, and I think it was mm-hmm. Heath, Heath, Mayfield, and Tillman all won the state titles.
0: Yeah, when it was a four class system,
1: that might have been that might have been eighty five. I believe you're right. Every year, you know, those three schools were competing. Heath used to be a powerhouse in football in their division.
0: All right, let me ask you a trivia question while we're talking about Western Kentucky. Can you name, and anybody listening to uh, try to answer this question for yourself? Can you name the only high school in Region 1, there we call Region 1, that's won a state basketball championship and a state football championship? Heath. Heath. Heath is your answer. Did you know that, Shane? Uh, Heath won the state basketball title, was, I believe it was in the 20s. 1928. There you go, 1928. You're one of the few people that have ever given me an answer right off the bat. Yeah. That's that's excellent. If it
1: wasn't 28, it was right around there. Yeah. I think it was 1928. Yeah, that's Well, I went weird. to Heath for two years. Oh, but well, so the guys yeah. are, you know – the thing is that that's a very uh, small community, but they the families there, the the parents. I mean, you're talking back then, and when I was there, it was you know a lot of people were in the agriculture business, they were yeah. farmers and or worked at the plant. They were very proud of their school. Those ki- those kids that worked in that football program, they were strong. Those those athletes lifted. We were lifting weights in the middle school, and nobody was doing that around here. I mean, I remember watching John Alexander. Oh, he went to Heath. He's one of the Alexanders in the in the real estate business. Uh, he ran that barbecue place for a number of years. And I saw John Alexander play at Murray State, and I, I I mean, he's just a big guy, but he played at Heath, and he was very good.
0: Greg Armstrong, right? Yeah, another big guy that played at Murray State and was was a load. Well, you, well, you know, you you talk about parents, okay. And so, Shane and I have talked in the past, and I've talked to other coaches. It's my belief that you could take a coach, the right coach, and bring him to any school, whether they've got a tradition or not. I'm not saying he's going to win state titles, but you take him in a tough situation, great coaches in football – are going to win regardless of where they're at do you believe that i believe great coaches will win
1: the level of winning that they, the success has to be measured in what you call success if you would say okay were you successful jp your first year coaching football yeah i lost all my games well how was i successful i learned i got better and i learned to coach and by the time we got into that six or seven years we were beating everybody about 30 points and started competing on a state level to win to win and i don't put myself in the category of great mm-hmm. coach because, yeah. I mean, I just coach youth league football. But, see, I, wasn't, I, I didn't have a kid plan and I was there because I wanted these kids to have the skills and the discipline that they know right now in the sixth grade that if you want to play football at Paducah Tillman and you want all this stuff that comes along with it and the accolades, you got to stay in school, get your grades, behave, and work hard. And if that paid off, then I knew Tillman was going to be a benefit of a good feeder system of athletes, and they were. Go back and look at Coach Cox in the mid-'80s to early-'90s and how every year Tillman was number one, number two, Mm -hmm. and they played in the state championship game, I think, I know, like three, four out of five years in a row, lost some heartbreaking games. And yeah, okay, you lost some title games, but would you rather sit at home and
0: watch someone else? And, you know, I think you said it right there without maybe realizing you said it, but But the key that I see in developing a program at a school is the head coach's involvement in the little league feeder system.
1: And that is key. You got it. You know, it's like the St. Louis Cardinals. They are so good because they develop their farm system. If you want a good football team or or whatever, you got to have a good farm system. I'm pretty sure Marsh County basketball has a great feeder system for basketball. You've been listening to
0: part two of Dax's interview, J.P. Roberts. To hear the rest of the interview, click on to part three at DaxMyHand.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, which, why wouldn't you? You're listening to The Legend. Tell somebody about it. Well, what need you do is you share on your Facebook and then get your friends to share it.
1: Or you've been listening to Dax and My Hand, The Legend.